The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. This, uh, this weekend I was, I was down at the brewery a couple days, and I usually am down there a couple days a week working. <clears throat> and uh, uh, Friday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, I think, someone came in, and, and we were busy. There was a line, and, you know, you're up front. I'm, I'm working register, and you can kind of see people coming uh, down and <clears throat> kind of assessing where people are at. If they're getting frustrated or irritated, excuse me, if they're happy or they have too much to drink or whatever's going on, like you're kind of like watching the, the line. And I see this guy get in line, he's coming down, and he looked a little bit disgruntled, and I was like, okay, like he's irritated, there's a line, that's okay, there is, so when he gets front up here, he'll be extra friendly, and, and uh, so he was, you know, didn't seem super happy, but I'm trying to be like overly cheerful, like let's bring it out of you, here we go, man, we can do this, it's going to be good. And uh, had a little small talk. What's going on? What can I do for you? And he's like, I'm picking up two kegs. And, and, and I was like, okay. Like, his face looks like someone who's picking up, ha- got stuck with picking up two kegs by himself. Like, they're heavy. Maybe he's irritated that he had to do that. And, and like, you know, doing his order and, and just trying to make small talking, not really getting anything out of him. And I got everything ready, and we're getting ready to go out to his car. And I'm just like, so what's going on, man? I'm guessing something fun's happening. He's like... Oh, my friend's mom died. It's it's for her wake. I'm like, oh, bummer. Like, dude, I'm gonna go back and do something else right now. Like, cause I was just trying so hard, and and it just wasn't a good situation for him. Whatever was happening, but I didn't know. And I go out there. We load the load the stuff up to his truck. One of the guys came with me to lift the kegs into the into the truck, and. And as we're leaving, the other guy there, he's pretty friendly, too. He's like, all right, man, have a great weekend. Have fun, you know? And I'm, like, walking back indoors. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's for a funeral. Somebody died. He's like, oh, of course, you know? But sometimes we don't know what we don't know, right? And that's not even something that, you know, I really could be at fault for in our, our own lives. As we sort of wade through doing the best we can, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to offend people. We're going to hurt people. Uh, things are going to be misunderstood, and sometimes you darn well know better. Like, we, we know better, and we still poke those things. Sometimes you just don't know, so there's, so there's grace for that. And in, and in these letters that, particularly, we're looking at one f- from Paul to these people in Corinth, there's a lot of stuff he feels like they should know, and there's a lot of stuff he's like, all right, I, I just got to cover this because maybe you guys are just don't know. Maybe I, maybe I miss teaching you it. Maybe the situation's new. And so we're going to inform you either way. And so there's, there's grace for that, even especially right in our own lives. And we just miss it sometimes. But to realize, we talked about a few weeks ago, these blind spots in our lives that we have that I don't know what I don't know. And maybe I'm, you know, I, for me, it was like maybe I'm a, maybe I have resting bee face and I'm a grumpy person in the hallways. Like that was my example a few weeks ago. Like, what do I have to do to, to deal with that? I didn't know. And so Paul's starting to address these guys and trying to lean into areas that they have major issues. If you've been with us, you've heard some of them. If you're new, it, it's fine. We're catching up on this letter. It's, it's written to this new church of, of you know, a couple thousand years ago from the guy who started the church. And he's away now, and he's, he's, he's writing back to them. And basically when he left, everything seemed fine. And now he's getting reports back like, wow, this is crazy what they're doing. They're, they are missing the point. So, so we're working through this letter, and he's addressing these things. And at the end of, end of last week's chapter, he kind of goes through a bunch of individual situations and, and, and correcting behaviors. And then he, he sort of sums it up and says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So he said, listen, just try to remember this, this thing. Think about God. Think about others. Whatever you do, do it. Th- keep that in mind, and that will, that will keep you on, on track. 
And, and chapter 11 opens up with this verse, and, and really it probably should be attached to the, the chapter ahead of time. It says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So he's kind of, kind of calling back to himself, like, I was with you. You know me. You know where I am. We communicate. There's letters going back and forth. There's reports going back and forth. You've seen the way I interacted in your city, in your context, with your people, with your religious leaders. Remember, Paul spent a ton of time there, so he had a, he had a chance to, this wasn't like a, not like a week-long mission trip, like he came in and like saved the day. He lived there for years. He was in the marketplace. He was, again, in the synagogues. He was uh, with, the, with the Roman government. Like, he was involved. He understands the situation, and the church got to see this. Okay, this guy's logged some time here. And he's, he, he follows Christ, and this is how he lives. And so he calls us, listen, follow my example as I follow Christ. He says, now I praise you because you always remember me and keep the traditions just as I delivered to them to you. So he's, he's gone through a lot of kind of beating him up over some certain, certain issues and chastising them. And he says, listen, follow me as I follow Christ, and I praise you because you remember me and keep my traditions. So he's saying, just because you, you still look to me, you're still asking about me, so that's good. But I want to hang out on this, this opening verse just for a, for a few minutes or see how, see how we go. But follow my example as I follow the example of, of Christ. And this is this imitate me. This is this discipleship m- model. This, look at me. Look how I live. And I was thinking about this week about how uncomfortable those of us who are in the church maybe are with that. Look at me. Look how I live my life. Doesn't that feel, doesn't that feel uncomfortable to anybody? If I were to say, look at how I live my life. Just follow me. That's exactly what Paul's saying. That's really what Jesus said when he sent his people out. He says, go and make disciples. As I taught you, go make disciples. He's really saying, go make disciples of, your, of yourselves. You're a disciple of me. Now you make disciples of you. Hebrews 6.12 says this, then will, you, then will you not become spiritually dull and indifferent? He's trying to encourage this, this church, this letter to the Hebrews. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So Hebrews is referencing, follow these people. Uh, Timothy, a number of times throughout the New Testament, it's like, look to these people who are walking it out. And so for the church, this is sort of a, a, a kind of a heavy responsibility for us. It's sometimes easier to say, oh, don't look at me. Don't look at people. We're messed up. Just point to God. People who don't know God, they, they need to look to you. They look to, to you and I. That's the deal. That's, that's a little bit difficult to, to sort of reason with. I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I like that. I'm nothing. Look to Jesus. But really, again, Paul's saying, listen, follow me. The guys he's raising up, Timothy and others, like, they're going to follow him as they follow, as they follow Christ. But we sort of don't always lean into that as much as we can. It's almost an easy way out. Say, oh, man, we're broke down. Don't look to me. Look to God. But again, if you don't know God, who are you looking at? People look at the people who they think know God. Like, that's where you get it. Like, well, I don't know your God, but I see you, so I, I guess I'll do that. And, and that, can, that can work really well. And then sometimes that plays, plays against us. But I think we're more comfortable that, with that than we think. Just spiritually, it throws us off, right? When you're, when you're playing sports or teaching sports, like, we're very comfortable in that, in that relationship with our students or the person that is above us. It's like, watch me. Like, watch how I shoot the basket. I'll take my kids. I watch how I shoot the basket. We don't need to go, like, on YouTube and find the original guy who shot a basketball. Like, I know how to shoot a basketball now because I learned from a coach who learned from a coach who learned from his coach. It gets passed on. Now you can look to me to shoot this thing. When I have something broke down in my house, like, 
our we're we're at like that seven year mark where all our appliances are just going. All the you know they're supposed to last forever or whatever, but they're just all blowing up at the at the same time. And my washing machine will go and dryer and dishwasher and and I'm I'm moderately mechanical. I'm at least smart enough or dumb enough that I'll take anything apart. So I will give it a shot before I I call the repair guy and I get on YouTube and and I'll go in the in the wash in the laundry room and I'll just start taking things apart and I'll get on and I'll follow a guy. You know, I watch a bunch from the sea. Like, all right, who do I think I trust on here? Anyone? Any YouTubers? Like, you have to skim these things. Like, all right, who do I trust on here? Like, yeah, that guy looks sketchy. No, that guy has, that guy has a safe face. Like, he, we we make these snap judgments, right? How many followers? How many likes? Or that guy's got like a thousand thumbs down pass. So you so you go through and you assess who am I going to sort of submit to for instruction on this situation? And I'll and I'll take the thing apart and I'll watch a guy. Take apart a washing machine that, you know, that I have, a repair guy who learned from a repair guy who learned from a repair guy who learned from his dad who learned from his dad, and it gets passed on and on and on, and I'm now listening to this guy. I don't have to go on and find the original washing machine builder. Like, that information has been passed on. I find the guy who, who's closest to me now. This is the food. I love watching the Food Network when we, we put that on and... I don't necessarily go on even to learn. I just put it on. Some of the shows are fun. I think food's interesting. And travel, and I'll be watching, oh, that's how, you, that's how they crack the egg. That's how they crush garlic. That's how they chop an onion. That's how they whisk. And, and, these, and these, these sort of cooking shows, you, you throw them on. The people are, are experts. They're just doing their thing. They don't stop. Now, some of them are, if you're watching in full instruction, they don't stop and tell you everything they're doing. They just do it. And you learn from watching. Like, okay, that makes, that makes sense. I never thought to dice or slice or, or cook that thing that way before. And you learn things even from watching stuff like that that you weren't looking for. Like I didn't go on thinking I needed to know this certain thing, but now I learned something. And that's what happens. And again, this is why Paul is harping on they need a healthy community because you will learn from one another. And if people are healthy, you will learn stuff. When I, when I hang out with people and I try to surround myself with, with good people, I don't always think, oh, what can I learn from you today and, like, analyze everything. But you pick up on stuff of how they interact at, in their workplace, with their kids, with their spouse. And we're constantly learning in that sort of environment, even about things that we don't know, right? We're always watching one another. We watch. It's kind of creepy. We're always watching each other. Even if you do that subconsciously, you're learning from people what they, what, how they dress, how they interact, uh, you know, what, how they interact with other people, how they interact with you. And if you like that, you, you begin to sort of, sort of submit to that thing as far as I can learn something there. Right? My son, Cash, he, I think he's helping the little kids today. He's a character, and he, like, he learned some dance move the other day that he's been doing like nonstop for, for two or three weeks. And if you've seen Amy's story, he's on it all over the place. But he picked up this thing, and then he, he started to teach it to the other kids. And do you know it? You know it. You want to teach us? I can't do it. I would teach you, but he, but he tried to teach us, and like we're in the living room, and like all of a sudden you start getting up off the couch to do like his little dance, and it's, and it's funny, but he, and he kind of walks through this, 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 this sort of little mission to teach, and this is, these are discipleship moments. This is what this thing is that Paul's doing. He's like, watch me. Watch me. And for you and I, if you're feel grounded enough in Jesus, which, which if you're still on that journey to find it, that's, that's different, but if you're in like, people are watching you, and they should watch you, and you should be mindful of that, and you should be okay with that. Paul said, imitate me as imitate Christ. As long as you're doing your best to follow Jesus, when people look at you and watch you, that, that's going to point them to Jesus. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. 
Sometimes it can be frustrating when Paul's talking with these guys. If you ever try to teach somebody something who's, I wouldn't even say they, they're having a hard time, but they're not listening or paying attention. I'm going to have to go through a, a process with somebody. I, I feel like I get this when I go camping. I'm trying to put together a, you know, a tent with one of my kids on the other side. I'm like, I'm like watch me. And then they, they do something different or wrong. And, and they get upset, like, why are you getting so frustrated with me? I don't know how. I'm like, because you're not paying attention to me. Watch me. We can do this together if you, if you watch me. And so Paul can get a little bit infuriated himself. He's like, you've seen me do this. Well, you're not paying attention at all. But this is discipleship. Right? It's me. For me in my life with my kids, my wife, and, and people around me, like, I have to do the best I can to understand Jesus in our, in our tradition. right? That's what, that, this, that's what this is to love other people, to walk that out, to live like him, right? Because I know people are watching me, especially for me, like, in some extent, because people know I'm a, I'm a pastor very early on in any interaction. It comes out very fast. Now, if I wasn't, you can kind of hide maybe your Christianity a little bit, which I'm not saying hide it, but, like, it just comes out very fast for me. So, like, I have to be mindful, mindful of that. So am I living in a way that people say, okay, I don't really get God, but I, but I get you. You seem friendly. <laughs> you seem caring. Like, you seem loving and, 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 and understanding. Like, okay, then I, then I at least feel okay moving another direction toward this divine that you, that you follow. But I have to be mindful of that. And we learn from those who have learned. We don't learn from people who we don't feel like no understand anything. When you go to fix that thing, or you want to understand, you want to learn from someone who knows their stuff. And the brain has this very interesting way it's, it's, it's very like subconscious even it's it's always observing and predicting outcomes based on the behavior so your brain is assessing all these things all the time at the people around you in these different environments and it's learning what, what you see it's like okay i see that person this predicts this out, outcome in them and your brain will, under, will kind of pick up like if it likes that outcome or not and say like, oh i like that outcome i'm going to do more of that all the time you don't even know when it's doing it what people wear, how they talk. You're, you're like, oh, I like that. I like that process in that person. I want to do more of that. I mean, you taste something good, though, right? You don't want to know what's in it. You taste something really good. Ah, what's in this thing? You want to know more about it. How, how, did, you, how did you make it? And some health foods like that, it's amazing. Like when, when you have these sort of desserts and someone, this is healthy. You're like, this is amazing. How does that even work? And sometimes you have, like, one of those healthy desserts that's, like, flourless and sugarless, and you're like, this tastes like wet cardboard. Pass. Your brain is like, do not do that again. That is bad. <laughs> that's bad for business. But we assess and we see and feel. So people around us, for the church, whether you like it or not, if, if you're a, a Christian, a professing Christian, and, you, and you're around other people who, who are not, which I'm guessing hopefully most of us are at some point, like, that's happening. Like, ah, oh, man. I like that guy. We're like, man, I, that's exactly why I don't like religion. And these things are happening all the time. Now, we don't have to weigh all the pressure on that because God is greater. But just know that uh, that's part of the deal with us. All right, people whose marriages are good, who have, who have, who have careers that I like, or, you know, relationships that I like. I mean, I, I look at that. I want to learn from that. And so we, we are people that, that, in terms of our church or faith, that other people are looking at, and they're kind of judging the church on us. Now, the other thing for us is, so we talk about in sense of how am I teaching, but how am I learning? How am I learning more about my faith? How am I learning more about a healthy relationship, about uh, marriage, parenting, being a good coworker, student, all those things? Like, how am I, how am I doing that the best to my ability? And one of the things about learning is that we, we have to, we learn through intent. I was just reading some of this stuff on, 
observational learning this week. And we learn through intent when we want to learn something. Right? So we can watch a bunch of informational stuff, hear a bunch of informational stuff, but if you're really not interested, you won't learn it. Your, your brain knows enough to not even make storage for it. It doesn't, it doesn't really care. But when you, when you sit down to learn something that you really want to know about, this sort of motor system in your mind is, just revs up substantially. It's like, okay, I'm seeing that. I'm going to practice that. I'm going to implement that. Your brain is like, how am I going to do that later? But if you're hearing stuff that you don't care about, you don't care about it. And that could be church, school, work. Like, if you don't care, you don't care. And so for Paul, as he's writing this letter, he's kind of hoping that the people care. There's this sort of understanding, like, all right, we already got past the point where you might not care. We're going to say, like, all right, they care. They want to do better. And so he writes from that, that, that sort of position. And he's writing from this value. He's like, hey, I'm following Christ. You should follow me. Now, if you don't care about Christ, all bets are off. It doesn't matter. You're not listening anyway. But, it's, but if you believe in this person of Jesus and this grace and living in this ultimate reality and having a life that is abundant and knowing that you are loved so that you can love and, and, and being loved by God so that you can show God's love, these, these sort of big picture parts of our faith, and said, then follow me because I'm keeping as close as I can to that guy. Chapter goes on, and, and, and it won't, we won't break all this down today, but talk about this idea of head covering. And if you've been around the church at all, you maybe have heard this come up, but there's this idea of you know, covering your head to pray or uncovering your head to pray. And, and really what's happening in this, in this section of chapter 11 is Paul's trying to keep the church intact. And there's just these divisions that are just breaking out and which way you should do it, or which way you shouldn't do it. And they're just tearing themselves apart. And it's the same idea as we looked at in the past, this idea of eating meat, um, uh, sacrifice to idols. Like Paul's like, it doesn't, the meat is not the problem. It's the heart issue behind it. You guys, are, you, guys are, you guys are messing this thing up in your heart. You're messing this thing up in your, in your hearts. And this head covering for, for, the, for the culturally, for one, when we talk about women and, and head covering, deep, deep cultural, like just big time. And in, in, in the, the Jewish people, the Greek, Roman, women cover their head. If they didn't, it was a disgrace to their, their, their household, to their husband. There was just a lot going on there that, that's just different than our time. It's just different than our time. And for the men, he said, you, can, you should uncover your head because covering your head was a symbol of uh, insubordination and even shame. And, and Paul said, you don't have to do that anymore when you come to God. Let it fly. You be you. Right? God knows your heart. And he, and he leads these, this, this conversation through. And you can get, get into it a little on your own time. We won't get too deep into it today. But, but he talks about this idea of, of order and authority and, and, and sort of insubordination and, and really this appearance. And so for the women of the time, it, it just didn't fit culturally the appearance for them that, to do stuff with their heads uncovered. Like, you know, this is just going to go in a bad direction, even if, even if they, mean, you know, they mean well. It's like, just go with the culture. I work with people all over the world who are, who are doing church work in diff- difficult parts of the world and Afghanistan. And, man, when you're doing work in Afghanistan, if you're women, you, you cover up. That's because the goal is not to get people to un- uncover. The goal is, to, for especially for the women, is to let them know that they are loved and beautiful and powerful and valuable. It's not just taken off, taken off the veil. And so Paul kind of addresses, this is, this is a little bit of a cultural thing, and sort of has to do with appearance in, in, this, in this church. And appearance is a big deal. I get it. You know, when, I, when I first started working in the church, I had tattoos. And back when I started, like, that was a big deal. Like, there was, like, board meetings about that. The elders had to get together and have, like, meetings late at night to talk about my tattoos because 
under a certain tradition, tattoos meant something bad, and, and it meant I was associated with a certain amount of people. I've been to parts of the world, countries where, where if you have tattoos, it basically meant you were imprisoned. And so they, they see it that way. And so people who didn't go to prison didn't necessarily want to just volunteer, like, oh, yeah, I'll pretend like I went to prison. Like, it, it was sort of a big deal. And so we have to be p- careful of these sort of cultural, cultural contexts. I'm loading up my truck today with some of these chairs. We've got some new chairs we're, we're checking out. And there is empty beer cans and an empty cigarette pack in the back of my truck, right? Now, I can explain that, explain all those things by the way, by the way I work, but I look in there and I'm like, gosh, how redneck am I? Like, if someone were to walk by and look in here, like, are you kidding me? Like, I was ashamed of myself. Like, I picked up the trash out of a parking lot or whatever, but it was in the back of my pickup truck. Like, it didn't matter if I, if I was, you know, cruising around, you know, tailgating or not. That's what it looked like, right? And I, w- I was like, that's, man, that's low even for me. And I can get, you know, I can get pretty low. But I was like, that's, this is sad. So you want to pay, pay attention to those culturally, cultural things. doesn't mean beer or cigarettes, like, that's the devil. No, that's not what it's saying. But it gives an appearance of, like, all right, that's, that's a little bit loose, right? I, I don't want to project that. Now, if I lived in, in the country and I wanted to be that guy to connect with other, like, cowboy guys, like, I would be more comfortable. That's not where I'm, what I'm going for, especially with my kids. So we want to kind of clean up some of those areas, even if it's not a rule or a law. The Bible says it doesn't, you know, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial, it says. So you just because you can do it, just because you can act a certain way, that's because you can look at a certain thing or eat, eat a certain thing or, or behave. Is it helpful to those around you? And so culturally, Paul was leaning into this, this situation with, with the men and women. He goes on to address the, the Lord's Supper. So there was this communion meal that Jesus started, and we know that's the bread and the wine. It's his body and it's blood, and it's done in remembrance of Jesus. And it's meant, meant to be sacred and meditative and remember Jesus' work and his love and presence in your lives. And what was happening with this meal is that people really started to look forward to this meal, and they started to eat too much, and they started to drink too much, and they turned this, this Lord's Supper, this communion, into really just a big sort of social party. And Paul's like, you guys are, are missing it here. And also, he also says, hey, some people are, are hungry. He's like, you're, you're having this big meal, and some people aren't even getting any of it. You're not sharing. And he's like, some people are getting drunk at it. Like, you guys are missing it. The wine in the cup, that's not the point of that. Like, you're just, you've just sort of gone off the deep end with this. You have to rein it back in. And for these people, I guess is, these are reminders. Like, they know better, but you just sort of slide. This is so much of this book. They just sort of slide. Right? And they, it's not that they didn't know, but they just sort of let it go, and eventually it got to a certain point. For lots of us, it's not that we don't know, right? We know. If we lean into stuff, stuff if we listen to the, the text or our faith, kind of no way to live, but we just don't, we don't implement it. We don't act it out. It's been said of the church, we far outlearned our obedience, right? Church people, we know stuff. We know stuff that the Bible says. A lot of us have been learning it since we were little kids, but are we acting it out? How, how, are, we, how are we treating the poor? How are we you know, freeing the slaves? How are we loving our neighbor? Like, ah, not so good sometimes, but we know stuff. And he goes on and says, so then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. This is like basic manners. Remember, Paul's writing to what are a bunch of kids. We, we will take these letters and we'll, we'll intellectualize them and they'll make them deep theology. He's writing to like a bunch of brats. They're little kids. That's the level of this stuff, right? He, he's trying to find out a way for them to understand. Wait for each other. Just hang on. You know, that's like basic manners. <laughs> Don't eat your food till everyone sits down. Like, just do that. Be considerate. Share your food if someone needs food. Um, he says, um, 
when you come together, eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should, he should eat at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in, in judgment. And he's basically like, if you're going to come to this thing like it's your, it's your Thanksgiving feast, like, just eat at home. Like, just take care of that first so when you come, you can be a little more meditative and process it like you're supposed to. That, that's, sort of, that's sort of what he's fighting against. And I actually found, I think that's actually probably a good word, even literally for some of us. Like, if you're, even if you're at church, but it's the morning or now or afternoon, and you're, like, starving, like, that's probably what you're thinking about. Like, all right, eat first, then you can, like, kind of relax. You can get through it. <laughs> and then afterwards, you can go, go do your thing. He's going to say, listen, just, just take care of those little things that are, that are raising distractions in, in your life. Things that are throwing you off, things that are making it difficult, it's like, all right, listen to what that is. Are you just hungry? Eat first. All right, then, then, you, then you can wait for others, right? When you're really hungry, it's hard to wait for people. And if you don't, you know, you're out to dinner and you're like, people get their food and like, you don't get yours and everyone gets their, like, uh, and they're waiting for you and it's kind of awkward. You're like, no, just go ahead and eat. And they're like, no, no, we'll wait for you. And it's, it's just like a bummer of a situation. And if you're starving, like tensions are high, and that's when like most fights happen. Like, it's just, it's, it's a real thing. And so he's even speaking to it at like a very natural level. Like, just eat a little before you go. But I wonder for you and I, and we'll close with this, just sort of those, those little things you can do that will make a big difference. And I think a lot of it has to do with us taking a moment to breathe and just listen. Just breathe and listen for a moment. Before you go into a situation, before you interact with someone maybe at work that could be difficult, when, before you think you're maybe about having a, a fight with your partner or, or spouse, before you're trying to, you're supposed to be getting into some sort of maybe religious environment, it's like breathe and listen. Like, all right, what do I have to do to get through that the best that I can? Right? Do, I just, do I just need to take a nap first? Maybe I need to do that because some people are really cranky when they're, when they're tired. Right? If I need to get my blood sugar up, then I, can, then I can deal with it better, then I can listen. Right? If I need to spend some time in quiet, do I need to pray? Do I have this junk in my life I need to sort of confess to clean out? But if we breathe and take inventory... And we interact better with people. We can be better for, for the community. Paul's like, take care of your stuff before you all come together. It's going to be better for everybody. Man, how often like, you, you get in a fight with somebody and you look like, eh, I probably didn't need to say that. Yeah, I was just tired. I was just, just having a bad day. Right? If I go with, on with Amy, it's like, go through these seasons. I look back, you know, I was just stressed out about something. It wasn't about you, but if I could just breathe, like, man, I, Super stressed out about that. I got I to gotta rinse through that a little bit before I dump that on somebody else. It goes a long way. And Paul over and over again said, you got to look out for one another. Do what's in best interest of others. And if that's having some crackers before you come to the meeting, do that, right? Do that. If you need to eat first, eat and then come be with people. And so we're going to pray and wrap up today. We'll close with the song and um, Paul even goes on. It's just funny. He says, when I come to see you, I'll get further in direction. He's like, I, I got a ton more to say, but let's just stop there because that was a lot, and, and we'll get, get to more. And that, that's like church every week. Like, there's just ton to say. But somebody's okay. We'll, we'll deal with some of the other stuff later. Um, that's our relationships. We have stuff with people. Like, what do I need, really need to say? The rest of it can wait. The rest of it can wait. God, thank you for uh, this, for your, the, the text that you've given us, God, and just these, these stories. I uh, I pray, Lord, just even for myself and anyone who needs that, just the discipline to breathe and listen and just take inventory, God, so that we may be the best possible version of ourselves that we can be. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace. 
Thank you for illuminating our lives, for, for you being just the ultimate reality. Thank you for loving us. Help us to love others well, in Jesus' name. Preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. That website address again is neuechurch.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.